T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back. I'm so excited to be on with you tonight. You are listening to Steel Talking. I'm your host, Gerilyn Steele. It is what I love to do is be on with you on Sunday nights. Well, I tell you, this next guest I'm really excited about because so many people have been talking about what's going on with banks and that sort of thing. But Ted Rossman is joining us. He's the senior banking analyst at bankrate.com. Okay, who is it and why are we talking to him? Well, one of the previous norms of being married was creating a joint bank account. Oh my gosh, this goes way back. But younger romantic couples may not see this as a rite of passage. According to a recent study from Bankrate, bankrate.com, millennial and Gen Z couples are more likely to maintain separate accounts and keep financial secrets from their partners. Bankrate senior industry analyst Ted Rossman authored an article on these findings, and he joins us on the John Schuster Caldwell Banker Hotline to explain the results. Welcome, sir. Appreciate you joining us tonight. Of course. Thanks for having me. Okay. So here's the thing, Ted, Mr. Ted. (laughs) When I think about what my marriage was like when we got married at the age of 21, we bought a house first, and then we lived in this house for 13 years, and it was so difficult for me to get him focused on us doing a joint account. Um, and I wonder if it is as difficult today to do it as it was back in the 1980s. We actually found that only 26% of Gen Zers and only 33% of millennials completely combine their finances with their significant other. That compares to 45% of Gen Xers and 50% of boomers. I would stress that this whole yours, mine, and ours concept really seems to be gaining steam. And young adults in particular really seem to like this. It gives them a sense of independence that there's some money they can call their own. But I think it's also important to have some joint accounts for joint bills. Okay, so joint accounts for joint bills. It used to be if you even got your insurance, like say the husband goes to get new life insurance and he wants to add his wife on, then he would add the wife on for some of these insurances. And all of a sudden you could not, as the woman, be released from it unless he gave the permission to do it. It's really quite remarkable how things have changed. It's the same thing with holding on to your mother, your money. I don't understand if Jen... If Gen Z want to get out there and have their own money at all times and he has his own money or their partners have their own money, what's wrong with that? It's just another way of growing together, isn't it? 
What I think is important is communicating about whatever works best for your relationship, you know, whether that's completely combining or completely separate or a mix. I actually see a lot of couples these days doing that hybrid approach. But you mentioned earlier all the secrets, and especially young adults are the most likely to be keeping financial secrets. We found 63% of Gen Zers have committed what we call financial infidelity, basically secret spending, secret debt, secret bank accounts, or secret credit card accounts. That's where I think we need to draw the line, you know, speaking here about joint accounts and separate accounts. Whatever you choose, it has to be disclosed. So, like, if you and your spouse agree that maybe you each get a certain percentage of each paycheck or a certain dollar amount that's yours and yours alone, you know, that can be healthy. But People squirreling money away without the other's knowledge, that's where I think it becomes a problem. Financial infidelity uh, to me, in my own head, and I'm in my 60s, it's ridiculous to me. It really is. These young people are doing it their way. Why can't they do it their way? Why do we call it infidelity, financial infidelity? That in itself says, oh, you must not trust me, or maybe I don't trust you, and maybe we just don't need to talk about this, when they do need to talk about it. And if they decide one says, no, I don't want to do it. The other says, yes, I want to do it. Then what do you advise? I think the secrets are what's harmful because that's what undermines trust. That's what gets you really thinking, well, gosh, I really thought I knew this person. And what else am I missing? I mean, let's face it. It can be hard enough to reach your financial goals when you're working together. It's that much harder if someone is siphoning money off. I do think that one trend that's really unique to young adults is they're getting married later. They're more likely to have their own income. Maybe they've been living on their own for 10 or more years. I think that's what makes it hard to mesh that money personality with someone else's. One other thing I hear a lot, too, is a lot of young adults grew up with divorced parents. And I think that has filtered into their own thinking with relationships, which is, well, if this doesn't work out, I'm going to keep this secret pot of money on the side. I really think the fix for all this is communication and just being more open and honest. A lot of people are embarrassed about the way they handle money, and they're not that confident. I think we need to break down some of these taboos, though, and have this conversation about what works best, both now and in the future. You know, think about those money goals and values and get working together, get pulling towards something that you really want to accomplish in the future. So how long have we been working hard as couples in the United States specifically? How long have we been working to try to make sure that we're not separating our finances, that we do gather them together? The 1950s and 60s and 70s, it was just the norm, right? The the man would usually have most of the money, making way more than the women. The women might have been wor- working longer hours, but, you know. We remember (laughs) with all the talks from the parents and they decide, okay, let's join. But it takes time. Some people don't start joining their finances that I know of for like three years. And then they finally say, you know what? We should just open up an account and you put some in, I'll put some in and we don't ask any questions. It's different today, isn't it? It is different. And I think every couple is different too. I mean, we can draw some generational divides here. But, you know, really, it does depend on your individual relationship. I think communication is important, transparency, honesty. Something that I find really interesting on this subject is that we've talked so far a lot about secrets that young adults are keeping and the desire for more privacy. That doesn't extend to all of their finances. They're actually much more willing to 
share their salary information, for example, with friends and coworkers. That's something that was really taboo for a lot of boomers and Gen Xers. And you know, these days, a lot of young people are very transparent about that. Uh, young people today also really want to know a prospective romantic partner's credit score, which I thought was really interesting. That's something that Gen Zers and millennials want to bring up early in the relationship, really as a sign of responsibility, um, whereas that's another thing that was taboo not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Not too long ago. You also talk about buying homes before they're married. I did that. Uh, we were tenants in common and 21 years old, um, and I never regretted that. I thought it was a great idea. What do you say about that? This is one, to be honest, that makes me a bit nervous just because I think you need to be really careful about how the mortgage and the deed are structured. I mean, of course, Adley, married couples break up all the time, too, but Divorce is an organized process for distribution of assets. I think if you're not married and you're buying a home together, you just need to be really careful about that structure. You know, if, God forbid, you split up, is somebody going to buy the other one out? Are you going to sell the house and split the proceeds? Uh, Think about life insurance, too. I mean, that's something that is extremely important when you have that much of a big ticket item. Um, Even if you don't have kids, I think you definitely want to have life insurance to make sure the other person's protected. Well, I have to tell you, sir, as I'm I'm listening to you, a lot of the things that you're saying, it sounds like we're trying to move it, like we're trying to change or redefine it so that the young people today who don't want to get married right away, but they are in love and want to share their time with their their, um, lovers, their spouse, whomever it is, My biggest challenge is if they are not sure, then how do they become sure before they open up um, a a checking account together? What do they do? I think it's it's a big part of the overall conversation. I mean, we know that money is a big source of conflict in relationships, unfortunately. Um, Now, there can also be a lot of positives financially to sharing bills, you know, buying a home together. That's a asset that should gain value over time. It's actually usually cheaper to combine forces and pay for one household rather than two. I mean, there are a lot of financial benefits to togetherness. um, But I also think there are some challenges sometimes just with working together with someone else. So I think really it comes back to communication. A lot of times people think a budget is a way to deny themselves and basically say, well, we can't have this, we can't have that. I think you need to frame it more positively, more in terms of what do you want to achieve in the next few years or longer? You know, maybe that's buying a house, retiring early, saving for your kid's college. I think the more you can frame these money discussions in the positive of what you do want to do, and then you get organizing your finances around that, I think that's a healthier way to think about it. Possibly. I can see that. I understand exactly what you're saying. So then when we talk about sharing some details, you know, every now and then it'll come out, right? One one or the other will say something that'll make you stop in your tracks and go, wait a minute, how did you know that? How did you know I had this account? Because someone went searching in the boxes, searching in your file to see if it's happening. That's what happened. I found out by looking for something for me and found out he had his own account. Right. So that was really troubling for me. I'd rather that these young people know right off the bat, you know, if they're going to go get counseling or whatever, marriage counseling, 
Please do it. Find out for yourself if he has a separate account, you have a separate account, and how are you going to deal with that? That's what I would say. What do you say? I definitely agree, yeah, about the communication, about it better to come out sooner rather than later. Most people are very forgiving, but what's a problem is when the secret really festers. And you're right, people find out in all kinds of ways, you know, whether it's something shows up in the mail or maybe you're applying for joint credit like a mortgage and then during that loan application process, there's some kind of discovery of, well, wait a second, what's this debt or what's this account over here? That's where I think you really get thinking, hmm, what else am I missing? I, I think it's much better to be honest. A lot of people are embarrassed about the way they handle money. They might be embarrassed about debt or late payments or a low credit score or whatever it is. I would say it's just better to be honest and work together. And you know, if it comes out Later on, it's probably worse. So I think it's just really important to be upfront and honest about it. All right. That's good enough for me, sir. That is absolutely good enough for me. All the generations are so different from one another, yet we are all still living together in the same space. And that's the beauty is that we learn from each other, right? We learn from each other. All right, sir, I really appreciate you joining us tonight. His name is Ted Rossman, Senior Banking Analyst at Bankrate.com. And I have one more question for you, sir, that I forgot. Um, a lot of the banks right now, when it comes to banking, a lot of young people, um, the Gen Zs especially, are, are hearing more about some of these banks that are going out of business, and they're concerned. What is your advice? What would you tell them immediately they should do? As long as you have federal deposit insurance, so that would be FDIC insurance for right. banks or NCUA mm -hmm. insurance for credit unions, then you're totally covered. So that's up to $250,000 per depositor, per ownership category. If you're within that, you're totally good. I mean, it doesn't matter if the bank is one of the biggest in the country or if it's not as much of a household name. Look for that FDIC insurance. And by the way, it's a really good time to shop around for a new bank account because some of these savings accounts are giving almost 5% on your cash. Now, not the big banks. They're offering really next to nothing. But some of these smaller institutions, you could get close to 5% on a savings account. It's totally trustworthy as long as it's FDIC or NCUA insured. Well, I just heard tonight um, on the news that banks are not – um, are not well regulated in certain areas. And people are wondering, should I, should I make a move? Should I take all my money out of the bank? It's really frustrating. So as we talk about these couples coming together, those are also things that they're considering. Yeah, there has been a lot of talk about that. Now, I would say there's no risk as long as you're within those FDIC or NCUA insurance limits, because that's really going to be backed by the full faith and credit of the government. You know, a lot of the recent problems have been companies mostly that had way more than that. So uninsured deposits at places like Silicon Valley Bank. Um, but yeah, as long as you're within those FDIC or NCUA limits, you're good. Um, but then I think we get into that other discussion about getting the best yield you can. So maybe not settling for the zero or 0.01% from the big bank, but rather if you can get close to 5% on your savings, that could really add up. And that's the most attractive we've seen in years. You might even consider pairing one of these online bank accounts with a better yield with a brick and mortar checking account. So then you kind of have the best of both worlds, the local access, ATMs, all that, but you get a better yield on your emergency savings. So you say that those banks that are just online are safe if they're FDIC? 
As long as they're FDIC insured, yeah. So companies like UFB Direct and CIT Bank and Viobank and others, I mean, these are not household names, but they're giving you close to 5% on your savings. They're all FDIC insured. So I would view that as completely safe. I know we kind of, I kind of changed the uh, the conversation, but I sure appreciate your knowledge and sharing it with us tonight. Thank you so much, Dad. No problem. Thanks for having me. All right. All right, everyone. Um, we are going to take a break. We've got to do some weather and more. And of course, uh, we've got a lot more for you tonight. Of course, the nine o'clock hour is all about center stage. We have some great guests that are joining us, but I really hope those that are listening tonight and hearing this story about these Gen Z's that may be getting married soon and that they should make sure that they understand or at least ask the question, show me how much money you have. Show me how much money you have in your bank account. All of those kind of questions. Boy, if you're parents and you've got someone about to get married, those are some questions that need to be asked. No doubt about it, in my humble opinion. All right, we'll be back in a moment. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to Steel Talk, and I'm your host, Geraldine Steele. It is what I love to do is be with you on a Sunday night, and we've had a good time already. At least I hope you have enjoyed it as much as I have. Coming up next, of course, at the in the top of the uh, 9 o'clock hour is Center Stage, all things arts and entertainment, and we're just going to have a ball talking about it. This next half hour, and we're going to take a break before we start that, we've got a lot to talk about, um, and I'm going to present some ideas. If you want to join us and say, hey, I want to talk about that thing with my children getting married and money, and how do you start that conversation? Is it up to the parents to be the ones to say, sit down, let me tell you how to start the conversation with your fiance about his finances. It has to happen. It's not comfortable. You don't want to have to all of a sudden find it in, you know, all of your paperwork between the two of you. You don't want to do that. Just be honest right up front, right? That's what I say, Jonathan. Be honest right up front. Because then you don't have to worry about it. If you run into it and it's hidden away somewhere and you find it, then what? That's going to hurt or challenge your relationship in some way. I do believe that, and I am not an expert at all. 
but I have been through it. So there you go. Think about it before you do it. Make sure you are really prepared. The finances of a relationship, within a relationship, is at the top of the list because what happens to the money affects both of you. No doubt about it. So be strong. Stand up and be, hey, these millennials, women, these women are standing tall and asking the necessary questions. And if they don't get the answers, all hell breaks loose. Let's just put it that way. All right. It is time for us to take a break. Weather is coming up next. It is now 834 here at WCCO. My goodness, as we've been talking about a few things tonight that have been surprising, surprising to me, getting some of the answers to some of the questions. At the same time, you know, I keep saying to myself, where are we going as a nation, even as the world, our planet? Where are we going Right, It's like we're on a journey, but we have no clue where we're going or how we're supposed to get there or what we're supposed to bring with us on this journey. It, it reminds me of, you know, during Easter when they always show the Moses movie and you see Moses and he opens the Red Sea and, you know, pulls back the water and all of these miracles that are happening and these people still complain and they still get on everybody's nerves and they're all complaining and it's ridiculous, Right. That's what it feels like today for me. That's exactly what it feels like. It feels as though we are walking in a circle and we don't know it. We can't even tell. It's as though maybe we should be building houses and building buildings that are all shaped in a circle because that's what it feels like to me. Then you start sitting down going, okay, I'm tired of walking in a circle. I'm tired of trying to figure out where I'm going and where I'm supposed to be, right? Then all of a sudden, something happens that changes my circle. Maybe someone enters that circle. Maybe someone exits that circle. But the bottom line, if you're inside of a circle... It's not the place where you need to escape necessarily. Maybe it is the go-to place, the place that brings us clarity. I'll happen to like circles, the planet being a circle, right? I absolutely love that. Say that again, Jonathan. It's a sphere. Okay. (laughs) Tell me why. (laughs) Because it's three-dimensional. Why is that the word? Oh, right. Okay, you win. You win. So if that's the case, you know, when you're in the circle, I think that I can learn more about me and learn more about you. If I am stuck in a triangle, if I am stuck in a square, then I'm boxed in. I feel as though I can't breathe. Even homes, I love homes with arches in them because that arch seems to bring me peace. I don't know why. Yet it is so remarkable. I watch HGTV a lot when I like to just, you know, brain bomb. That's what it is. You don't have to really think about it. Someone is renovating a home or, you know, a fixer-upper or whatever, and you just, it's brain bomb, which I like. (laughs) But it's always interesting when people choose to live in a box. I would rather have a house that is not just a box Inside, I'd like to have some curves and 
things that bring me peace. You know, just the shape alone brings me peace. What about you, Jonathan? Does it matter in your apartment if it's a box or a circle? Not really. Um, it's, it's what you do with the space. It's what you do with how things are built, how things are designed. And, you know, working at my other job, you see there, there are, you, you talked about houses being built and that's kind of like, oh, wow, this is kind of up my alley right now because it's, it's an actual thing for me to see some of these houses. And you see some of these funky houses that are built and some of that stuff and People want to see some different things. They don't want to see the same cookie-cutter houses that are built. And I, I know I'm kind of going off topic here, but but you asked me about what I want to see in my apartment. Right. I don't mind seeing different things, different shapes. I don't need everything to be a square or a rectangle. I don't need every or, – or a cube. I don't need everything to be a circle or a sphere. Um, but you just try to put things in their place. You know, as long as you have places for everything, just bring everything in. Hmm. I can see how you would say that. I really do understand that. For me, though, as I am growing and changing, I'm growing and changing. I can feel it. I can see it. I can taste it. I can smell it, right? And those changes you have to pay attention to. This is what I've learned. I have to pay attention to it because it's trying to tell me something. It's time for me to learn something new about it. Whether on your walls you have paint that's just flat or whether it's a textured wall that has circles and has a depth to it, then you start to see other things. And this is what I'm learning. I'm talking about being at home, you know, doing my homework, that sort of thing. I, I, I'm, I'm starting to see how having arches and circles, you know, whether it's in the furniture or the couch or, you know, the kitchen is hard. You don't see a lot of circles in the kitchen. <laughs> but I must say it has affected me. Sometimes I stare at the texture on the wall because it just seems so fluid. Now that may seem sound strange, but I'm curious to know, I'm getting to this question the way we live today in America, the way we live today in Minnesota, the way we live today in the Twin Cities metro area really matters. But do we know, are we clear on that? Do we know that we, we are moved by it? Or do we just look at it and go, hey, it's a place to live, who cares? Are you one of those that says, it's a place to live, who cares? Are you asking me specifically? Of course I am. Um, I guess I'm more of that. I'm more of I if if I had my dream house, I couldn't tell you what my dream house would be because I don't have it, you know, planned in my head. I don't have all these different things. But again, going back to what I'm doing now for my full-time work, I am dealing with with a lot of these different customers that they they just do kind of maybe even bare bones but even more than bare bones they may do just you know simple simple stuff that you would normally see in in houses but the the windows that they may have some of these other folks they may have circular windows they may have oval windows they may have arched windows they may have um uh diamond windows or or 
trapezoidal, different shapes all, all across the house. And so you're looking at how they, they want their house to see, how, how they want their house to be. And it is more of a free form type of thing, or it's more of a thing that, that kind of blends into how the house overall is built instead of just square, square, rectangle, square, rectangle, rectangle, that sort but, of thing. But I have never cared about this before. This is why I'm bringing this up. I have never cared about it before. It did not matter to me many, you know, decades ago. Oh, my gosh, I have to have circles in the house. I have to have this. I have to have that. None of that mattered. If you have a home, you got something, right? You Agreed. have something great to hold on to. I, I think but all that- of a sudden in my life, I am noticing more circles, my brother bought my mother a beautiful, round, circular mirror. It's been hanging there for about, what, five years now. And all of a sudden, that's the, that's the thing I want to stand in front of. What is that? Where does that come from? And any of the listeners that like to call in or text us, you're welcome to do so at 651-461-9226. Again, that's 461 my goodness. Give him the number again, please. I know I was right 651 And here's what I'll say to, to that. People can change their thinking over time. And, and here's something kind of similar to that. I'll say it uh, this way, getting off the houses thing. People talk about personalities and how some people may be just real effervescent, free-flowing, easygoing personalities. Some may be really uh, reserved and, and uh, more buttoned up. And then there are events in life that change those attitudes. They, they may open people up. They may close people off. So I think it's, it's kind of in that similar thing where life happens and sometimes – you look at something in a different way. Sometimes it's after a traumatic event. Sometimes it's after a celebratory event. It, things change in life just as we change in life. All I know is that I am really enjoying these circular images in the house that I never really paid a whole lot of attention to. I knew it was there. But now there seems to be a, a type of calming. Maybe I should go see a holistic <laughs> you know, masseuse or something that can rub my back and tell me my truth. Okay. <laughs> what kind of seriously are you going to? I know, but I'm I'm serious. I'm very serious about this. I want to know why all of a sudden am I paying attention to circles or to arches or to textured walls? I I never did that before. I'm just I'm just saying this. If you go to a holistic person that says they're gonna rub your back and they got a swing somewhere in the house, you oh may want to run. Oh my god, Jonathan! <laughs> that is so sick. It's just... That's what I'm here it's for. It's wrong, folks. dude. It's wrong. I'll be here all week. You know our computers are straight. You know squared, and I, I, I'm sitting here looking right now at all of the circles. And every little table that has a plant on it is a circle. It's amazing to me. You, you know, this is what, and again, I'm going back to some of the, the CNN docu-series that I watch. And one thing about the late 90s 
was we always knew about computers as these square, rectangular bricks, blocks. But then you had something called the iMac that came out. And you remember when the iMac came out and you remember the difference in the look, how it was kind of an egg-shaped type of thing. It's kind of an orb instead of just a block. And that was one thing that made it go wild at first. Not just there were also different colors that it came in, but that's one of the things that made it wild, uh, going wild at first was just a look. It was just a different look. It took us out of our, our, it broke the cycle of what we thought a computer should have been. Yeah, but they're not like that anymore. Now they no, look they're just no, like the Hewitt Packards and all the rest. Well, no, they're not like that anymore, but that's, that's just another example of what you're talking about, how sometimes things are just, they're, they're made kind of like on a factory line, and then someone comes along and says, no, let me do it this way. And right. it kind of kind of shifts the thinking. And some people might latch on, and some people might say, nah, that's too much for me. It's just, it's just how humans are. Well, I'm just saying, I, I have, I have, I'm awake. I notice it now, and I didn't notice it before. I knew that the tables for the plants, you know, the little small tables for the plants are definitely oval, but everything else, I'm so surprised at what I'm drawn to now. So that must be an understanding or an acceptance that I am changing. I, I would think am so. I changing. Yeah. Now the question is, what am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> I'm, going All right, tell, everyone. I'm going to tell you flat out. I have an answer for you. I, I flat out have no, you an answer don't. for you. No, you don't. Come on. I do have an answer for you. Okay, go. I don't know. <laughs> Gee, thanks. Really appreciate you. Look at all the love. <laughs> I'm not That's a holistic terrible. with a swing in on in his living room, so. Uh. Yeah. Oh God. You're still talking about that, huh? Yeah, I thought so. Hey, Jonathan, how much did you pay for gas recently? Let's let's for actually tackle that after. The, let's let's do the oh, break we and then take we'll, a break. We'll we'll tackle okay. that question. All right, we'll be back. It is now 8.52 as we wrap up this hour. And, of course, the 9 o'clock hour is all about center stage. We do hope that you will stick with us and hear some of the great um, musicians and people that are doing great things in the industry, uh, the artists that are doing great things. So stick with us on that. Um, As we wrap up this hour, I wanted to ask uh, about the average gas prices. Um, Because I remember not so long ago, maybe some people would say it's long ago, Jonathan, but there was a time when we were back at the $2 gas per gallon, and um, I was living in Como Park, and um, I just I loved it over there. And when I would go to the gas station and look at $2 per gallon, I just couldn't believe it. And we haven't seen that in such a long time, at least I haven't, um, that it shocks me that it was back in 2004 was the last time here in Minnesota that we had... Um, the gas was less than $2. Again, that was 15 years ago, 2004. That's remarkable. But today, as I look at the Minnesota average gas prices, and I'm sure it changes from community to community, city to city, from time to time, but the current average is $3.54 a gallon in Minnesota, Uh, or it's $3.83 in certain areas. Then there's the premium at $4.22, and then there's $4.00. 
seven cents. This is all yesterday's average. No, this was all um, the current average, right? So yesterday's average, this is how it goes, $3.54 a gallon, $3.84 a gallon, $4.22 a gallon, and then $4.07. It's almost identical. And I keep asking myself, why does it have to keep going up? What is this all about? I know it's money. I know what it's all about. It's all about money. But it really disturbs me. The the thing is, inflation at this point in time is more than it usually is. But that's the key word is usually. We usually have some sort of inflation over time. It's just how much does it go up with these spikes like you had, like you're having now, like you had in the late 70s and early 80s, like you've had at different points in our country's history, it never goes back down to what, <laughs> to what it was back 50, 60 years ago. It, all, it, it just continues to stay steady or, or nominally increase. It's just that right now we're having a bigger spike of that increase. Right. And then that increase, it vacillates, right? Like I saw um, at a uh, speed, speedway, I think it is, speedway um, gas yeah, speedway. station. And all of a sudden, it was $3.69 for <laughs> regular gas. Yeah. And I'm looking going, what? That's, what I, paid, that that's what I paid earlier this week, three three sixty nine for the 87 unleaded. And I'm getting premium gas. And the premium gas that I, the most I've paid is $4.47, I think. Yeah. Per gallon. It ain't pretty. Oh, man. Let me tell you something. If I got to sit this car down, I'm going to sit this car down. <laughs> that's that's a thing, lot of money. That's the thing about, about the pandemic that I've, I've gotten more into driving around, but, you know, I used to drive. Over uh, a full day going back and forth to work, I drove 45 to 50 miles a day. And now I might Mm -hmm. not drive 50 miles in a week. And so you, you, for the people that are going back to work full time every day, I feel more sympathy because they're going to have to get back into the gas price buying, the gas buying with all these increased prices. So it sucks. But. There, you know, with for the people that have more hybrid work schedules or hybrid school schedules or um, work at home full time, you know, it's it's been kind of nice not having to deal with it every single day. Yeah, I hear that, but you know, my son is in California, so of course, the gas prices today four dollars and eighty seven cents. And that's and that's another situation where it sucks. I feel bad for Michael. I feel bad no, for anyone on the no, coast. No, do I do. Really? I, I really do because it because it Terrible. sucks to keep up with. And Hawaii is four seventy eight. Let's not even four dollars. Let's not get to Hawaii. Oh my gosh, it's so expensive. It's so. But I, I must say, I've had great times in Hawaii. Just beautiful, and I hope it still is. I have no desire to go just yet, but I hope it is. Then, of course, I want to say before we go, Nevada, gas prices today, $4.26, and we are talking regular gas. We are talking regular. Arizona, $4.70, regular gas. Wow. 
All right, everyone. Thank you for sticking and staying with us on this. As you look around and try to find the gas that works for you, right? <laughs> like that one station that was really starting to drop their prices and then all of a sudden it goes back up. I know how frustrating it is. I have a brother who knows all about that. But there you go. All right, everyone. Coming up next is Center Stage. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 